The Lord be with you. from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Uh, some good news before we dive into these amazing readings on this Feast of Pentecost. We now finally have an opening date for Masses to resume publicly throughout the diocese. Officially, all the churches now will open up on June 8th throughout the entire diocese. So so spread the word. June 8th is a Monday, of course. Thinking, why, why a Monday instead of a weekend? Well, to kind of, in a sense, have a soft opening right during the week, because uh, there's going to be a lot of restrictions, there's pages and pages of restrictions from the county and from the bishop's office, how to make this place a safe place. And, and so, in a sense, the, I think there's a little, little bit of prudence there to help us practice during daily Mass, how we basically have to enter the church differently, leave differently, our behavior's going to have to change, and it's going to take some time to dial it down. So, spread the word, June 8th to the Monday. So for us, since we don't have Masses on Monday, June 9th will be the official launch, so to speak, of public Masses. And then the weekend, beautifully, that we have publicly is the Feast of Corpus Christi. So that's the 13th or 14th of June, that weekend. So it'll be a powerful time. So spread the word. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. But there's a good rule of thumb. Never check your social media before you go to bed. Never, never check your social media when you go to bed. I, I, fortunately, I broke that rule, the rule of thumb, last night before I went to bed. It's fun to scan. It's a bad habit of mine, trying to break it. But I was, I was, I was scrolling through my social media. All of a sudden, I saw a, a post that somebody had, was posting on Facebook. It was a live stream of demonstrators in downtown Sacramento. The live stream was about 11 o'clock at night. And I recognized the corner. I said, I recognize that corner where the crowd was starting to mass. I said, oh no, that's near the cathedral. And so I was watching live this crowd that was gathering. I said, oh no, because as you all know, I mean, you've, you've been watching the news. 
All throughout the United States, there are crowds, demonstrators, protests, riots. And at any second, crowds are unpredictable. It could flip in at any second. And I saw the rioters starting to break into the stores around the cathedral. And I immediately I thought of the pastor there. I know the priest well. I said, oh, no, Father, what's going to happen? Because the, the priest at the, at the cathedral lives right next to the church. And so if, if, the, if that crowd turned towards the cathedral, it, was, it would have been a huge mess. I mean, they were breaking into jewelry stores, uh, 7-Eleven, uh, you name whatever businesses were there. And so I'm watching this like, oh, no, I need to go to bed. But I'm watching this, and I can't take my eyes off of this. And so, of course, I went to bed late last night. But praise God, the cathedral was safe. The priest was safe there. I mean, they had, luckily the police moved in and, and dispersed the crowd. And immediately I thought, wow. We need Pentecost more than ever, don't we? We need Pentecost. Why? This great feast of Pentecost for us is one of the biggest feasts in the church. In fact, it is our birthday as a church, in fact. Today is our birthday, so please, after this, go straight to the grocery store, buy a cake. Celebrate. We are, on the quick math, we're over 2,000 years old. Beautiful. And for us Christians, Pentecost is that great feast when Jesus fulfilled his promise and gave us the Holy Spirit. We were born this day over 2,000 years ago. But before we can truly appreciate, as Christians, Pentecost, we must first understand what Pentecost, this feast, meant for our Jewish brothers and sisters. So Pentecost simply means in Greek, 50th. That's where the the name comes from, 50th. That's what it means. Because every pious Jew had to go to Jerusalem, According to Deuteronomy chapter 17, it lays out that every Jew, Jewish male specifically, had to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem on certain days during the year. Passover, which is where they remember the flight from Egypt, where they were freed from slavery there. And then 50 days after Passover, every pious Jew had to return to Jerusalem now again. That's why 50 is important. And they all had to descend upon Jerusalem on pilgrimage for a couple of reasons. To offer God, again, the first fruits of the spring harvest. So we're in the middle of spring. And so like the Jews back in those days, they had to offer their first fruits in thanksgiving to God. Remember, they're in an agriculture culture. And so they had to give their first fruits to God in thanksgiving but then also to remember what happened at Passover as they sacrificed the lamb, you recall, which gave them their freedom from slavery. So every pious Jew would go there, back to Jerusalem. Notice now, That is why, as you hear from the second reading from Acts of the Apostles, 
In all of those names, Paul, or rather Luke, writes, he says this. In the first reading, he says, on the Feast of Pentecost, as Luke depicts, so they were astounded. We are Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, travelers from Rome, converts from Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. Why were all these people all over in Jerusalem? Because they were there for the Feast of Pentecost, fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 17. And in the next line, it said that as they were gathered there on the Feast of Pentecost, all of the Jews there and all the Christians now gathered there, our Lord said, go there, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then it says that, notice, that the Holy Spirit descends upon the Christians as what? Not a dove, recall, not a dove, but as one of the, another image of the Holy Spirit. As tongues of fire. Ask yourself, why fire? Go back now to chapter 19 of the book of Exodus. I want to read this to you. 18. This is huge. So in, the, in chapter 19 of Exodus, it is at that moment that the Israelites receive the divine law, the Ten Commandments through Moses on Mount Sinai. At this moment, the Jews are given this, the Ten Commandments of the new law. And so it says that as they were on Mount Sinai, what did God's Spirit, as he descended upon the Jewish people, gave him, given them the Ten Commandments? What is, what is the image now that God comes and descends upon them? And I'll quote you. Exodus 19, verse 18. On Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. So in the Old Testament, Moses and the Israelites receive the new commandment, the Holy Spirit. the new law as a fire. Now, connecting that to the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit now descends precisely as fire. Because what does Jesus now give the church? Not stone tablets, but now he gives them the new law in Christ. In, no longer written on stone tablets, but rather on the hearts of his people now. He has, Jesus now has fulfilled what began in Moses in Exodus has now brought to its completion on Pentecost when the church was given birth. As a fire now, the Holy Spirit descends upon them. Now this is also a clue. Why the Holy Spirit is divine? Because just as in Exodus, the Holy, God's Spirit descended, God himself descended upon the Jews as fire, now the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, descends upon us. But that's not all. Pentecost is absolutely brilliant. Now it's said that as all of the different people of the world are gathered there in Jerusalem on Pentecost, all the different people from Rome, Asia, Arabs, converts, it said that they all 
heard. They're all speaking different languages, but they all understood one another, didn't they? They all understood each other. No matter, even though they spoke different languages, but all of a sudden they heard as if they were speaking one. Every pious Jew immediately would have understood the significance of that. Go back now. We return to Genesis chapter 7. In Genesis chapter 7, it said that we have the story of humanity. So humanity falls, sin enters into the world, and what does humanity try to do? It says it tries to construct the Tower of Babel. Now because of the, all the different peoples of the world, they have spoke one language, they said to glorify themselves. Let us build this tower all the way up into the heavens. And God sees humanity with their pride to glorify themselves and says, oh no. You're not going to build this tower to the heavens on your own power to glorify yourselves. So God then confuses the languages of the people. And this is why we all speak different languages to this day. Division. God gives us, as a quote-unquote a gift, the divisions of humanity. Speaking different languages. Gaelic, Spanish, Mandarin, Tagalog. All the different languages of the world, why, what does that do? Because as you all know, if you ever try to speak another language, what does it do? It creates a barrier between us, doesn't it? Because God knows that if we were one in our pride, we would try to build this union apart from him. And oh, how the Tower of Babel, when you see throughout human history, we're always trying to construct a tower or union apart from God. Think back, what did ancient Rome try to do, by the way? Rome, through their might, through their legions of armies, tried to expand the Roman Empire through conquering, to conquer new peoples, to bring them all in under union of the Roman Emperor. Or even harking back to even before the Roman Emperor, what did Alexander the Great try to do? He tried to unite the entire world under Greece. In fact, at one point, he was probably one of the closest. He conquered everybody, Alexander the Great. At one point, he said that Alexander wept because he says, I have nobody else to conquer. Or even back, harking to our modern day, what was the 20th century like? What did Japan try to do in Asia? Try to unite the spread Japan's empire throughout the Asian region. What did Adolf Hitler's grand vision try to do? He tried to build an empire based on the Third Reich. You see, humanity is always trying to build the Tower of Babel. We're always trying to build it apart from God. What is communism now? What does communism try to do? It tries to spread its errors throughout the world, doesn't it? to unite it under the principles of Marx. You see, we're always trying to build a Tower of Babel. But what, what does our modern circumstance show us? How fragile 
this union seems to be. Look at Rome. How long did Rome last? A couple thousand years. But eventually collapsed. The barbarians invaded. They came, swept down, and destroyed Rome. How long did the Third Reich last? Hitler tried to, he said, he wanted to last a thousand years. Lasted a few decades. How long do you think communism will last, by the way? It'll collapse. China, communist China, will collapse too, sooner or later. The British Empire. We're direct descendants of the British Empire, aren't we, as Americans? The British Empire spread throughout the world, eventually shrank. And look at our world now, what our world is undergoing currently, divisions, fighting. You scratch beneath the surface of civilized society, and we're always on the brink of unraveling. You see this constantly. Ah, this is now where the beauty of the church comes in and why Christ sends the Holy Spirit upon us. Paul, beautifully in the second reading now, speaks to the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit, which he gives us. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one. Though it has many parts, all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. In one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. You see what now Jesus began, God began on Mount Sinai with Moses, finally completed 2,000 years ago on our birthday when Jesus gave the church the Holy Spirit. He gives each and every person who are baptized into him this union which God has always desired for humanity. But now, no longer by human power, but rather through the power of God himself, each of us have been given this union, one body, united in him. Now, here's the beauty of it. Why this is the amazing thing, why we are each called Catholic, why our church is called Catholic. The Catholic Church is the only institution on earth that has ever existed in human history. The longest-running human institution, 2,000 years old, which encompasses all cultures, all languages, and all nations. The Catholic Church is the only body that's ever existed which has accomplished this union because we have the Holy Spirit now. And that is the beauty. And we all know, what does Catholic mean? Universal. That is why I love being Catholic. Because we are the direct descendants of the one body and the continuous institution which Christ himself gave birth to on this day. And now what does this mean? And I'll end here on a note of action. You and I are called to go out into this broken, divided world. Each and every one of us. You and I each have different gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us do. 
As Paul says beautifully in his second letter here. We all have different gifts. Your gifts, I don't have. You don't have my gifts. You each were created with certain gifts, unrepeatable, each of us. And so you and I now, part of the body of Christ with our individual gifts, are called to go out into this broken, messed up world and to heal a dividing, fighting humanity. Preach the gospel to them and bring them into the body of Christ. That's each and every single one of us. And then the true union of humanity will be accomplished. Because it isn't through our military we do this. It isn't through a constitution on a piece of paper we do this. Rather, we do this now through the power of the Holy Spirit, which we all share. That is our mission. That is the mission of the church. And for 2,000 years, we have been doing this. So happy birthday, everybody. And let's get to work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.